We want to talk about the church, and not just this church, but the church, that Jesus is building the church. And I want to talk about the, how we understand the church, what we think the church is, really shapes how we engage and interact with the church. So if we don't see the, the thing that Jesus is building properly and understand what he's building, then we can engage with the church wrongly. sure none of us think this, but it's possible to see the church like it's uh, a business providing a service. If any of us have ever thought that, I go to church when I need a, a service, maybe I'm feeling I need some worship, maybe I feel I need some encouraging words, so I engage with the church like it's a business is going to provide me the kind of the thing that I'm longing for that week. But actually the church is um, a family. Amen. It changes everything. Amen. If we see the church as a business, it changes how we engage with it. If we see the church as a family, it totally transforms how we engage and interact with the church. But it's a family on a mission. Amen. Jesus is building his church because he's got a mission that he's about. Something yeah. he's been doing, particularly in terms of building the church for 2,000 years. Amen. And he'll be doing that mission <clears throat> long after we're gone until he comes back again to collect his bride for a new heavens and new earth. It's a cosmic thing. It's a, an eternal thing that we're part of. There's a, this, this, this great song in The Great Showman and uh, A Million Dreams. And it is this line that says, however big, however small, I want to be part of it all. Share your dreams with me. I love that line. I was just listening to it on repeat on Thursday. I thought, Jesus, however big, however small my contribution or our contribution is, I want to be part of it all. I want to be part of this dream that you have for the earth, this mission that's on your heart, this thing that you are burning with, Jesus, this thing that you gave yourself for, this passionate dream for individuals, for nations, this passionate dream that you had that people could relate to you with a new heart, a new mind, be born again of the Spirit, have a new start, not relating to rules and laws, but have those things written in their hearts. This passionate dream that you had, Jesus, that you would gather the nations and make us a family. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, becoming brothers and sisters Amen. in Christ. Having this wonderful wonderful diversity in this wonderful uni unity of the spirit because of who Jesus is. See, the father always wants and always wanted a family. Mm. Amen. He, he never wanted employees. 
You know, sometimes we look at someone and say, we, we look at them and think, wow, they've got so many gifts and abilities and talents. They would be great in the kingdom. We could really get something done if this person or that person became a believer. And the father says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm so wealthy and so capable and so multi-talented and gifted. What I'm looking for is sons and daughters. I'm looking for a family. I'm looking for sons and daughters who will encounter my love. Encountering the love of the father. Sons and daughters who will watch the father, copy the father and do what the father does. Represent the father wherever they are. That's what he's building. He's building a family. And I think if we were to go around and ask, we'd probably say, wow, I really love the idea of family. And we'd probably all say, I'm passionate to be part of a family. Because the truth is our fundamental deepest need is to truly connect and to truly belong and to truly be seen. We, we long for family. We love for a place where we can not wear a mask, let alone let a mask slip. Where there's no performance. Where we're seen. We want a place where we can be authentic. We're longing for a place where we can actually be emotionally healed up from the wounds of the past so that we can relate with courage and confidence. And we're longing for a place where we can share who we are, the stuff that Daryl was talking about, our gifts, our talents, our passions, our abilities, and share them and receive from other people too. There's a longing in the human heart for that. But sometimes we don't realise that to have family, to truly belong to connect and to share our lives requires something of us that actually requires everything of us. And it's possible without even knowing it and without even wanting it we can begin to relate to the church. And I'll give you an illustration I gave last year. We can begin to relate to the church like it's a hotel or like it's a restaurant. So we want family. We want it. That's what we really want. We want this. I'm part of something big or small. I'm part of this eternal great purpose of Jesus on the earth. We want it. That's genuinely what we want. And we want to be authentic and we want to connect and we want to belong. We want to share our gifts and we want life to flow from others to us. And yet so easily we can slip into the church being like a restaurant and being like a hotel. I'm saying that because I think London presents enormous challenges to the believer that in other parts of the country you may not have. We, we lived in a town where we were the only charismatic community, evangelical charismatic community, had to go 27 miles north or 43 miles south to find another church. So if we didn't get on or didn't agree, you'd better work it out. Because unless you want to drive for an hour and a half either direction, you better work it out. (laughs) So authenticity 
was worked out quite strongly because we had to work it out. In London, if you have a restaurant or hotel mentality to the church, there are every flavour of church you could imagine on your doorstep. It's remarkable. And you could think, if I don't like it here, or I don't like the flavour, or I don't like the menu, well, I could get on a train and be... I, I can, there's hundreds of them. Amazing churches. A, ch- a capital city full of amazing, amazing churches. See, family requires something of us that a restaurant and a hotel will never require of us. How many of you like Nando's? It's not a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard so many good things about Nando's, so we went for one of the girls' birthdays. Sat down at the table, waiting to be served. (laughs) (laughs) What is this place? (laughs) So I went to the counter. Can anybody take our order? No, you go to the counter and you do your order. What? You collect your knives and forks? This is not a restaurant. <laughs> I've come for, yeah, I've come for good chicken, but I'm on service. No one tastes, giving a little bit of wine for you to taste there. But generally, when we go to a restaurant, we, are, we don't have any expectations that anything is going to be required of us whatsoever, do we? Although when we go, we sometimes stack the plates and you, know, you, you want to make it good for the person who's serving. But generally, when you go to a restaurant, there's no expectation that anything is required of me whatsoever. I'm going there, I'm going to choose from the menu, the food's going to come to me, I'm going to give the plates, they're going to wash up, they're going to clean away, they're going to wash the table, and I'm going to go. When we go to a hotel, it's the same. Unless it's some of those hotels where you actually do... We went to one in Amsterdam where they do actually make you make the bed. <laughs> what is that? You go and check in and they give you a pile of sheets and pillowcases. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you might be seeing a theme. Uh, yes, I have become entitled. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I'd never been to a hotel until I got married to Rochelle for 25 years. Never been to a hotel, so I blame the the, the, the aspirations of France. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you go to a hotel, you go to a restaurant. Nothing is required of you, really, generally. And when it is, it feels a bit awkward and a bit strange. You don't go to a restaurant and lay your life down for the other diners. <laughs> You, you don't go and, and say, can I serve you and bring the food? No, someone's going to look after them. Someone's going to serve them. Someone's going to clear away. You, you literally do nothing. But in family, in family, you do. In family, you do. And that's why you, that shift from, I must not see church as a restaurant. Church is not a hotel. It's a family. 
and that something is going to be required of me in family that will never be required of me in a restaurant or a hotel. See, I think not understanding Ephesians 4.11 is one of the crucial reasons we can misunderstand the church. And Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the ones who see heaven to earth gifts, the prophets, the ones who see what God is saying, the prophetic voice that gives vision, the evangelists who've got this heart, passion to reach, the pastors who build a safe environment, the teachers who bring explanation. These gifts were given to equip his people for works of service so that the body may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. So, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Jesus gave these gifts because Jesus has a mission for the earth and his mission for the earth is going to be done through you and me, a body who are going to do all the works of service. You and me. But if we have an understanding that the church is like a, a restaurant or like a hotel, we come to church because the gifts, we want to experience the gifts. We want to come and, and enjoy the spectacle of the, of the prophet who, who, who reads our mail and tells us our destiny and calls us out. Or we, we want to we just come to hear the amazing teaching gift and be amazed and astounded by that and just say, well, that, that church has got a really great teaching gift or that church has got a real emphasis on heaven's work. I like eating at that church. It really has got a nice menu. But I'm a bit bored of the taste of heaven's work. I've heard there's an evangelistic flavour over there. I'm going to go and eat of that. Or there's a prophet church. Or oh, the prophet church. They, they, they speak of the blueprints of heaven. I'm going to go and eat at that place. But it says that all those gifts, those anointings, those capacities are given by Jesus to be just equipment. It says, in other words, those gifts are as glamorous as a hammer. In the hand of a carpenter, equipping someone, enabling someone, enabling someone to be all that they're called to be, to flow into them. He gave the gifts so that you and me could flow grace to one another and provide for one another and flow capacity to one another. So that the evangelistic gift can make us evangelistic so we can love the world well. So the apostolic gift can cause an environment that knows the presence of God and engages with the presence of God so that we can carry the presence and understand the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. That the prophetic gift with the prophet would build a prophetic culture where everybody gets to prophesy, everybody gets to encourage, everyone gets to comfort and exhort and bring revelation. Everyone, not just that one gift. That the teacher would explain how to handle the Bible so that we could handle the Bible well and understand the revelation that it contains that we might build our lives on it. 
And so the gifts were there and are given to equip. And they're not given, they're not given so that a person can build a ministry around their gift. Amen. So that a leader can say to another leader, how big's your restaurant? How many diners do you get? So it's not, the gift is just equipment. Just equipment from Jesus. Jesus was all these things. Jesus was all these gifts and more in reality. And he gives gifts to the church. And so the goal of the church, and the goal of this church is everybody gets to be really, 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 really big and know who they really are in Christ. That's the goal. That's everything we long for, desire, is that each person is on a journey progressing in Christ and realising who they are and growing and growing and maturing. And the gifts are just pouring. Go on, jump higher, run faster. You can be more. Let me encourage you. And so that the body can be supplied with the grace so that it might function and be able to do the things of being built up and being strengthened and being mature and changing the world through a body, through a church. And so the family, the family is equipped to heal the sick. The family. That when you lay your hands on the sick and you command them to recover, you know that you carry that authority because you are in Christ and Christ is in you too. Not just the anointed man or woman power for the hour, the going to the spectacle of the amazing healer and there are amazing healers, but are they releasing the body or are they keeping secret knowledge so that only they know and understand? No, it's a body. The gifts demystify it all. And they say, do you know what? There's nothing special about the gift. It's a gift from Jesus to cause the body to come into all that the body is called to be. That the body would love the poor. That there's gifts on people of, of mercy gifts and hospitality gifts to love the poor. Amen. Sometimes people say, what are you doing as a church to fulfil Matthew 25 and love the poor? What are you doing? Actually, it's what are we doing? Are, are there gifts in here for the poor that have yet to be awakened or, or, or are dormant right now? The body supplied with grace. That if you lead your neighbour to Christ, you know how to disciple your neighbour into maturity. Not just to bring them to the church and say, where's the professional? To disciple my neighbour and set my neighbour free. My neighbour's struggling with something. No, the maturity is uh, each person knows I know what to do. I know what to do when I'm faced with the demonic. I know how to operate in authority. I know how to set captives free. I know how to bring freedom. Maturity is about each person being internally motivated. Motivated from the inside. It's another thing that's so important here. That each person is connected to Christ and knows what pleases the Lord and they're actually motivated internally to live a life that's pleasing to God. Not because somebody says that that 
they are the boss of you and going to tell you how to live. But you know, you know, and you're internally motivated. See, the gifts of the, maybe the teacher or the pastor is bringing guidance and bringing information and bringing opportunities and bringing some choices. And then you, internally motivated because of your connection to Christ, you're working out your godliness because it's, it's a passion within because you've been born again of the Spirit. Yeah. Not because someone is over you telling you, no, you've got to live like this. Yeah. Or command you to do this or command you to do this. And so that your giving and your generosity is not out of compulsion because someone's told you this is what you need to give if you belong here. But you're connecting to God and you're saying, what's, what's, what should we do, Papa? How much can I give? How much can I, time have I got? I'm, I'm connected to you and I'm asking you. So grace flows from ministries to enable you to become who God says you are. Gifts are the equipment to help you do that. So this, I think, can be really uncomfortable for us. And let me say, I don't think it's uncomfortable because we're lazy. I don't think it's uncomfortable because we're selfish. I think it's uncomfortable because it's an identity issue. Because for you to know and be able to come to God and say, what is it that my life is going to do to glorify you? How are you going to flow through me? Takes us to be secure in our identity. And sometimes we think it's too presumptuous for me to believe I can heal the sick. I'm an evangelist. I can bring breakthrough here. I can open up this and, and make this happen. We think that's presumptuous. But identity lets us say, I know you love me, Father, and you've got a lane for me to run with. What, ca- what promises do I carry? To know in family you have permission that you're going to grow and you're maturing and you're not just going to be a child in a family. You're maturing and many of you are you're, you're adults. Some of you are just on your beginning journey, but the goal is adulthood so that you know what you carry. And you know what you bring. And actually the father has a really high view of you. You have huge status. And sometimes we just need a perspective of how does heaven see me? How does heaven see me? The status that I carry, the permissions that I carry, the prophetic promises that I carry. So that we recognise it and begin to walk in it. See what I can. Yeah, it's going to wait on God. Yeah, we just say, even right now, Holy Spirit, bring to mind the prophetic promises that we carry. Even right now, Holy Spirit, bring to mind a revelation of the status and the calling that we have. Bring to mind the things that you have called us to. It's, Paul says that to Timothy. Remember the prophetic words. Be reminded of the prophetic words, Timothy, because you're going to fight according to the assessment of heaven, according to the things that God has called you to. Yeah, we say, come Holy Spirit, awaken that in us, that reminder, this is what I'm on earth for. Some of you might be a reminder, I was on earth to love the poor. 
Some of you, it's a reminder, I was on earth to help people understand the Bible. I'm carrying that. Sometimes I think we we can we can stay we can stay small because no one ever told us heaven has a huge expectation of us. That we can believe that the church is just a place I get to stay small and always in receptive mode. Because no one ever told me that I was to become an adult and that I would raise up spiritual sons and daughters too. And then we can think that, yeah, only certain people get to do this and prophesy and heal the sick, and I'm not one of them. Actually, God says, no, you're included because you're part of the body. See, in, in, in the natural, if, we, if a child stops growing and stops maturing, people start to panic, don't they? At first, a little child can be a toddler running around and running around. But actually, if they have got to five and they start at school and they're still a little toddler, we go to the doctors, don't we? Because mm. we think, no, we, we, that's funny when they're little, because that's normal. But as they grow, we're anticipating, no, they're going to grow. And as they grow, they're going to go through stages. Yeah. And we have to be those who, without any condemnation, ask, am I still, am I growing? Am I maturing? Am I growing in courage? Am I growing in responsibility? Am I growing in participation? Am I more stuck into the purposes of Jesus this year than I was last year? Am I more engaged in what God's doing in the earth than I was five years ago? I'm going to end with this, that often we find that God gives huge prophetic words about where we're going and, and we, we don't know how we're going to get there and we don't know how it's going to happen. But we find that through simple serving in what we find in front of us gives our life momentum. But sometimes we think, well, I've got this call to nations and people groups to build and establish things and we think how on earth is that going to happen and so often it happens through serving in an area that's often quite unrelated to where you want to go and where you want to be that the promises of God come to us often just as a seed a thought, an idea tiny and how we handle that seed and what we do with that seed is so crucial that we nurture the thing in front of us the tiny thing, the minuscule thing, and we look after it and we nurture it and we watch it grow and we're faithful with the small thing and we see what God will do with it. There's something powerful of just getting stuck in. That's honestly been my whole story is I've often only just done the thing that was in front of me. And I've seen God in wisdom, in, in, in amazing ways, weave something that was so unrelated to what I was doing as service to become the thing that stepped to the next thing and to step to the next thing. In France, one of the things we, we go there for Christmas and and uh, Richard's mum's cooking this amazing meal. And there's just this sense of we all just get stuck in at the level we can. 
Yeah, I get stuck in at the level of I set the table. But there's something about just being part of that. Mm. That the little children, the babies, there's no expectation they're going to set the table. They, they can't get themselves on a chair. <laughs> but as we grow and mature, you think, what I can do is I can put some napkins and some knives and forks and some glasses. And I'm part of this. I'm part of making it happen, even if it's a small thing. Even if the one who cooked the meal is, is the real heroine, the real hero of the moment. I'm part of it because I'm part of the family. There's something about just saying, I'm part of this, I'm part of this family. And so many of you already are. We have a meeting once a term of around about 30 odd people are all serving in certain capacities. And this is by no means a, a rant at a church that doesn't serve and doesn't give itself. But it's an explanation of, I think, of a challenge in London and also a, a, a revelation into how simplis, simple serving leads you and gives you momentum that you steward and nurture what you have and we've got a bit of paper I'm going to give out but they're just areas where you think do you know what I want to, I want to know how I can connect and how I can serve and how I can steward there's a whole list of things on here you, you, you might think I want to tick one of them and explore with somebody who's leading a certain area so that I can connect whether it's in hospitality or or there's worship community, or there's the whole thing of setup, and there's great service for the children in in, in, in crash and junior church and, and and younger youth. There's whole areas of opportunity. Got whole needs around the projector. Longing. My dream would be somebody who absolutely loves IT and sound. You could grab hold of that and really engineer it to make it look a, a, a fantastic thing. There's opportunities there to shape a whole area. So just going to ask us to stand and we'll pray for us. We'll hand these out in a moment or two.